Hello. Wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli and this is today's tech briefing. In today's program, so Hari, I know there is a lot of buzz about the unicorns in India and um, and the you know huge amounts of capital that is coming and uh, and somewhere there are murmurs about you know bubbles as well. Please mark my words. Five years from now, ten years from now, we're going to look back on this date and and remember that that uh, you know I I did mention this to you that we are sitting on a very 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 tip of the iceberg. That's after these headlines. Ashwini Vaishnav is India's new Minister for Railways and Electronics and Information Technology in Prime Minister Narendra Modi's first major cabinet shuffle since he took on his second term in 2019. Vaishnav has an MBA from the Wharton School of University of Pennsylvania and has worked at GE Transportation and Siemens. He also set up two auto components businesses in Gujarat. Vaishnav was born in 1970. He received a gold medal in electronics and communications engineering from Jainarayan Vyas University in Rajasthan in 1991 and then completed his MTech degree from the Indian Institute of Technology Kanpur. The politician from Odisha is a member of the Rajya Sabha, India's upper house. Before his MBA, he also served in India's administrative service for several years. Google is being sued again by the US government authorities. This time, 36 US state attorneys general have filed an antitrust lawsuit against the company, accusing it of abusing its power over app developers through its Play Store on Android. The case marks the fourth antitrust lawsuit lodged against the company by US government enforcers in the past year, CNBC reports. The case was filed in the Northern District of California yesterday. The attorneys general accused Google of targeting rival app stores while its Play Store dominates app distribution, leaving developers and consumers with little choice. Microsoft is urging Windows users to immediately install an update after security researchers found a serious vulnerability in the operating system cnn reports the security flaw known as print nightmare affects the windows print spooler service researchers at cybersecurity company sangfor accidentally published a how to guide for exploiting it the researchers tweeted in late may that they had found vulnerabilities in print spooler which allows multiple users to access a printer they published a proof of concept online by mistake and subsequently deleted it but not before it was published elsewhere online including developer site github according to the cnn report upgrad has earmarked 250 million dollars for mergers and acquisitions over the next 7 to 9 months on the back of its funding round earlier this year economic times reports The Mumbai-based EdTech startup, promoted by media entrepreneur and investor Ronnie Skruwala, raised $120 million from Singapore's sovereign fund Temasek at a valuation of around $575 to $675 million in April, according to ET. In May, Upgrad acquired Impartus, a video-enabled learning solutions provider. If India's software as a service companies execute to their full potential they could generate annual revenues of 50 to 70 billion dollars by 2030 and win 4 to 6% of the global market for SaaS software 
SaaS Bhumi, a collective of cloud software companies in India, said in a report yesterday. Based on recent public SaaS company revenue multiples, this represents a value creation opportunity of as much as a trillion dollars, according to the report, which is based on research conducted in collaboration with McKinsey and Company and NASCOM, India's IT services lobby. There are nearly a thousand funded SaaS companies in India, of which 10 have unicorn status, with a valuation of over $1 billion each. These startups generate about 2 to $3 billion in total revenues and employ about 40,000 people. Investments in the Indian SaaS industry are also rising, with about $1.5 billion in VC funding being invested in 2020, a four-fold jump from two years ago. OnePlus has announced its Nord 2 5G smartphone, which will be powered by a new MediaTek processor with enhanced AI capabilities designed to aid camera performance, improve the phone's display, and enable better gaming experience, Android Police reports. The chip is called the Dimensity 1200 AI. Nord 2's camera system will be able to recognize 22 different scenes adjusting color and contrast accordingly to produce better photos. This should also lead to improvements in low-light imaging. When it comes to video, OnePlus says it will allow for live HDR effects during recording and digital overlap high dynamic range will fine-tune recordings for the best possible quality and color accuracy, according to the Android Police report. The raft of unicorns that have been created in India's emerging startup scene in recent times is only the tip of the iceberg, says Amit Anand, founding partner at Singapore's Jungle Ventures. Anand and his friend Anurag Srivastava started Jungle Ventures in 2012 and have since invested upwards of $350 million over three funds in startups in India and Southeast Asia. The two partners both have stellar careers as global tech executives, entrepreneurs and then as investors. Jungle Ventures is well known for its investments in many an Indian startup from Zipdial to Moglix to Builder.ai and LiveSpace and City Mall. I spoke to Amit about why he is optimistic about Indian startups and what might lie ahead. Here's more from that conversation. Amit, uh, fantastic to have you join us on this podcast. Thank you for making uh, time for this. Uh, you're, of course, a well-known figure in the tech circles and venture capital circles. You've been a technologist, an entrepreneur, and then an investor. Uh, for folks who are uh, less familiar with uh, Jungle Ventures, uh, and I include myself uh, in that category, uh, I guess uh, you could tell us a little bit about uh, how you got to start uh, this firm and uh, what was the intention? What kind of investments were you looking looking for? Uh, thanks, Ari, for <clears throat> having me here and, and also for your kind words. Um, much appreciated uh, the opportunity to share more about our journey and also uh, to have a conversation here. Uh, so the journey of Jungle started about uh, eight years, eight, nine years back, Hari. And, uh, you know, it was co-founded between me and my, uh, you know, my, my partner, Anurag. Uh, both of us in our separate lives have spent, uh, you know, decades in the software industry, in the technology industry, in the region. And almost always uh, in our past lives, we have helped either startups or large corporates expand 
across South Asia. We've had significant operating experience in scaling businesses here in the region. And somewhere around 2010, 2012, uh, we could just see that there was a huge inflection on the horizon. And, and you know, obviously, you have been a, a spectator or commentator uh, of that, where, uh, you know, talent is jumping into technology entrepreneurship, capital is jumping into technology entrepreneurship, and now the consumers are adopting these businesses. So we saw an opportunity from a lens that we had experience in helping companies scale cross-border, companies scale regionally and globally. And that was a unique perspective. We saw that founders saw with us and they appreciated as compared to most other funds in the region, which are fairly um, country-based focused funds. So the journey started in 2012 to back entrepreneurs in India and in Southeast Asia who wanted to build a business which were regional or global and bring our expertise and our learnings to them. And, and it's, been, it's been a fascinating run for the last eight, nine years. Hmm. And, uh, you know, from uh, ZipDial to Moglix, uh, Builder.ai, I guess now called Builder.ai, I think earlier it was Engineer.ai, uh, and LiveSpace, uh, different kinds of investments. Uh, so can you talk about what you look for in terms of founders, in terms of areas where you want to invest in? Yeah, we, we drive a lot of inspiration from Mr. Ratan Tata. He's one of our advisors. In fact, I started my career working for the Tata Group and it was a, a fantastic um, uh, full circle to come around and have him eventually agree to advise us. And one of the things I've always loved about the Tata Group is, you know, whatever they do, they're always building something which is going to last, which is going to last generations, uh, which is going to, uh, you know, build something which leaves a legacy. And so for us, I think the primary value that we are looking to align with the founders are founders who are interested in building businesses, which are going to be long-term sustainable businesses, large categories, whether they are disrupting or creating new categories, that's totally fine. And so that's one of the reasons you'll see uh, that as Jungle, uh, contrary to most venture capital funds, we don't make 20 bets a year. You know, we make fewer bets a year, we make fewer investments a year, but we really like to back entrepreneurs that are looking at large categories and building, wanting to build companies that are going to be here for a long time. And that excites us. And we've done that across industries, as you just mentioned, uh, you know, back in the day, helped zip dial to expand to Southeast Asia. And eventually uh, we sold that company to Twitter, uh, although it was an early exit. But then from there, Moglix, LiveSpace, all of these companies are building some really, really amazing. Uh, all of these founders are building some amazing companies. Would it be fair to call you uh, a sector agnostic uh, VC firm? Uh, uh, what are some of the specifics when you look for founders, when you look for uh, sectors and companies? That's a, that's a great uh, question, Hari. We are fairly sector agnostic. We have made investments, recent ones, if you look at the last four investments in India, one is in the space of uh, online groceries, one is in the space of uh, you know, online education, one is in the space of insure tech. So we are fairly sector agnostic. I think the way we look at an opportunity or, or, a, or a team or a company really is from the lens of three macro trends. Uh, firstly, across India and Southeast Asia, you're looking at at least half a billion to, to 750 million millennials. And these consumers are spending anywhere between four to nine hours a day online. The decisions that these millennials are making are all driven through their online behavior, whether it's their, you know, what kind of job they want to take, 
what kind of uh, education they want to pursue, where do they want to travel, what kind of life partner they're looking. There's so many big decisions that these millennials are going to take over the next few decades. And these decisions are going to be captured as a, as a consumption pattern by these digitally native brands. So that's one of the large macro trends where companies like LiveSpace and Red Doors and Pomelo and some of the others fit in. The second large macro trend for us is, uh, although we call it SME digitalization, I think the best way to talk about it is to say, uh, you know, uh, digitalizing the, the the small guy. You know, that one single entrepreneur shop in in you know in some city in India, or one uh, creator that is building their business online, or seller that is building online. So. SMEs, there are about 160 million SMEs across Southeast Asia and India. And, uh, you know, just the companies that are building software platforms, marketplaces, and all other ways of using technology to empower this individual, this small entrepreneurial team, is something that excites us. And, and whether it's Turtle Mint in India, which is taking on some of the larger online insurtech players by saying, you know what, we don't want to marginalize the agents. We want to empower them with digital platforms uh, or whether it's companies like Descara in Singapore who are building an ERP for SMEs. So that's sort of one major theme for us. And then finally, uh, an exciting and growing trend is, is essentially companies that we think can be global market leaders. And, and I would put the likes of Builder and LiveSpace in there they've done something extremely disruptive that we and other investors haven't seen anywhere in the world. And with our capital, our networks and our support, we're gonna take them in the world, whether it be consumer or it could be software, it doesn't matter, but they have a chance to be global market leaders. Uh, while you're talking about uh, trends, uh, perhaps a good time to ask you about uh, the most important trends that uh, you see in the uh, venture capital landscape in India and Southeast Asia. What are the big changes that you are seeing in the way investors are approaching uh, startups in India. So Hari, I know there is a lot of buzz about uh, the unicorns in India and um, and the you know huge amounts of capital that is coming and uh, and somewhere there are murmurs about you know bubbles as well. Um, please mark my words. Five years from now, ten years from now, we're going to look back on this date and. And remember that that uh, you know I I did mention this to you that we are sitting on a very 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 tip of the iceberg. There is a lot more that needs to come. I'll give you a quick example of this. If you like, look at the last five years of technology investments across China and India, you will see that in China, in the last you know the five years. Um, there is about 420 odd billion dollars that has gone into China in the technology sector. In the same period in India, we've seen only 58 or 59 million dollar, billion dollars that has been invested. And while we are all getting very excited about the growth that we've seen in, in during the COVID period and in, in sort of the online industries, as I said, I think this is one tenth of what's going to happen on a per consumer basis. Uh, I think India is just seeing some, you know, four dollars or something of, uh, you know, venture dollars invested as compared to hundreds of dollars in China. So there's a lot more that is coming, and that's certainly, I wouldn't call it a trend. I think it's a macro shift uh, where uh, consumers in India are empowered through technology, and new businesses are going to capture that opportunity, and and investors like us are going to be backing those uh, opportunities more and more. 
what gives you the optimism that uh, some of the unicorns in india today uh, will go on to become uh, genuine successes so my hari uh, my take in, in life is always that uh, you know whenever a rise you know a tide rises uh, it lifts all boats and you're fair in saying that you are referring that there are many boats here that maybe are not worthy but what you'll see in the end is that the guys who built the best teams the guys who built the best sustainable businesses business practices at the back the guys who have a lot of loyalty from their customers and i'll put the likes of flipkarts and big baskets and live space and many others in there where the customer loyalty is extremely extremely high we will see that these boats are the ones that are more sturdy and and you know will go up and keep going up with the tides so i am i am of the optimistic camp uh, you know we know some of these opportunities at close quarters and while there will always be one quarter here or one issue here but that's part and parcel of building a business and trying and doing something which has taken uh, you know centuries for other businesses and other groups to achieve these entrepreneurs are trying to achieve that in 10 20 years and so those uh, challenges are bound to happen but the kinds of successes they are doing the kinds of uh, achievements that they are making uh, are all promising towards a much much brighter future hmm. uh, give us a sense of uh, the scale of uh, operations or impact uh, you've achieved at uh, jungle i mean over your three funds over the last uh, uh, since you started uh, I think you've invested uh, upwards of 350 million dollars uh, in various startups. Uh, so what is that uh, resulted in? So I'll 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 put a I'll put my entrepreneur hat on your hurry you know eventually me and my co-founder Anurag I have started this business and this startup and I keep telling my founders that I feel like uh, you know we are on our series C or series D or whatever that number is. we started this journey with a small 10 million dollar fund then we raised 100 then we raised 240 and we continue to uh, overachieve our targets with every vintage uh, so certainly we are a younger firm uh, across uh, as compared to some of the other more established firms in the region uh, but but you know we do have some first in our credit just to give you some references we are uh, one of the first firms that cut across southeast asia and india we started investing uh, with that mindset in 2012 which i think eventually sequoia and lightspeed and a few others started following in 2015 and 16 so we were the pioneers to see both markets as uh, as sort of a single market in a sense that there is a lot of cross pollination of talent and ideas and businesses uh, so that's kind of put us in a pole position as a regional vc as the largest regional vc that covers both of these markets in terms of uh, companies obviously you've heard the story of uh, players like moglex which have become unicorn I, i can't tell much because you know i want always the companies to have the the preference and the priority on when they want to kind of talk about this but safe to say that jungle this year apart from from moglex is going to see at least a couple of other unicorns being coined and then from here onwards every year at least a few unicorns so i feel like as a firm we've arrived uh, to to that level of maturity that consistently every year our investors are going to continue to see value creation through unicorns through ipos uh, and uh, on the other hand we'll continue to look to back some exciting companies like we did with city mall recently in india uh, and and continue to help them grow 
uh, i also want to take this opportunity to kind of pick your brains uh, as a as a, a serious expert in uh, several areas uh, you are an advisor to the singapore government on ethical use of uh, ai uh, can you talk a bit about uh, what we should know uh, in that area uh, what should uh, india uh, be looking at seriously uh, in in investing in these areas great question and in something of relevance to everyone uh, whether it's the common man on the ground the technology entrepreneur the the people in governing roles uh, roles in countries it's a topic very dear to me um i started my career as a programmer uh, looking into artificial intelligence back in 1998 and in, in some sense it's a full circle to come back and, and be an advisor on a council helping the singapore government think through it i think hari the the lens that i have on this is maybe slightly different from others everybody else is thinking about artificial intelligence as a vertical that they need specialists on that they need to focus on i think both in my uh, personal um, you know thoughts as well as from a singapore government's perspective i think they've taken a view that artificial intelligence is going to impact everybody and hence everyone should be aware should be knowledgeable should be you should have some level of understanding and experience with artificial intelligence and so we've taken a multi-pronged approach in singapore where uh, we, on one hand we've created government level policies to to help corporations help startups deal with topics of uh, conflict when when you know ai becomes mainstream so we are predicting a lot of that we are creating frameworks working with other frameworks around the world Uh, the governments are also creating a lot of uh, you know institutional level platforms for data to come together to enable and empower more ai to happen so it's a very very proactive sense that singapore has taken but we the, the government has complemented that by a lot of education that uh, they are doing at the common man's level is that they've created centers of excellence they've created programs to go and educate the common man about what happens when an ai uh, ai driven algorithm takes over their loan decision making how do you get the consumers ready for that wave because that wave is coming i think that's something maybe something that not just india but many other governments around the world can take a learning from singapore is to get the average customer ready for ai because the ability it's coming and it's coming across the board hmm the other uh, area of course uh, is uh, cryptocurrency uh, singapore i think has already kind of uh, taken the lead in uh, making various rules uh, to regulate but allow it uh, india uh, is yet to do so uh, what is your view on uh, the best way forward i i probably have taken a, a slightly more sort of a venture capitalist mindset on this and my recommendations to a to anybody who's cared for my advice there is to take an exploratory mindset uh, is to not think that whatever you do today is exactly what you're going to do 10 years from now in that space and so rather than taking a hard stance or taking a completely op- uh, uh, open mind on only one concept and not on the other my recommendation would be to keep an open mind uh, in in sort of some sort of a sandbox go and explore many many different things whether it is different currencies different models different technologies and let the the future arrive by itself 
and then start to build a lot more policies around it. I think the problem is that we we tend to get uh, stuck up by by trying to create rules too soon. Whereas uh, you know this is almost like when the internet first came up. Uh, we need to let it flourish a little bit to really know where we need to protect, where we need to govern, and where we need to keep it open. I would think that just keeping an exploratory mindset today and being open-minded, but within some sort of sandbox, is probably a really good approach. While the uh, the reality of how, where, and how that impact will come from these technologies is is going to take a while to to develop. Uh, back at uh, Jungle Ventures, uh, what are your next big plans and priorities? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. In some ways, uh, our life is pretty monotonous. Uh, you know, every day we are meeting exciting entrepreneurs and then trying to decide whether we want to partner with them. Uh, but certainly, uh, we feel very excited about the fact that the, the the current generation of entrepreneurs are are thinking a lot more about building scalable regional or global businesses. Uh, so, you know, the one thing that I'm very very excited about is to see more and more Indian entrepreneurs. Uh, become bold and and Southeast Asian entrepreneurs become bold enough to go and build the next startup group, go and build the next Singapore Airlines. Um, and at Jungle, we want to continue to a invest in those founders, but also improve our capability to help them, whether it's by adding more resources, talent, capital. So a lot of work going on in there. But outside of that, Hari, I think uh, the sectors that we we spoke about, whether it's uh, consumer tech in player places like edtech or fintech, whether it's SME tech. Uh, all of that, we continue to look forward to finding more great opportunity. Excellent, uh, Amit. Uh, learning conversation for me, uh, insightful one. Many thanks again for making time for this. My pleasure, Hari, to be here. Great questions, great conversation, and always happy to uh, to share more thoughts. It, it it usually is a mutually learning experience. Thanks for your time. That was Amit Anand. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.